twice in one day? I can't believe it. Do you want to fucking stay mad or do you want to get in bed and cuddle? Three times in one day? I mean, unbelievable. Get that tip. Get that fucking tip. It's Uncut Gems. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I am Dave. Woohoo! Yeehaw. We are here to talk about uncut gems. I want everyone to know that I just watched a 15-minute video of a guy refurbishing a PlayStation 1 with classical music in the background. So I'm just in a very kind of zen place right now. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know what that has to do with Uncut Gems, but I'm, I'm here for it. Nothing. I was just scrolling, waiting for you to fucking show up, and <laughs> that came about, and now I'm just really in a chill spot. Perfect. Well, we're here. What are we doing, though? Well, we watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of Uncut Gems. Then we're going to answer some questions about the middle and talk about it. Yeah, that is right. Now, Uncut Gems, if you're unfamiliar, it came out last year, 2019, in a rare, serious role for Adam Sandler. Now, it co-stars Lakeith Stanfield. I'm a fan of him from the FX show Atlanta. Also, Julia Fox and ex-Boston Celtic Kevin Garnett, among others. It was directed and co-written by the Safdie brothers, who they're kind of rising stars in the film world. Now, it's interesting because this film garnered Sandler some award talk, actually. But I kind of want to discuss that. So for me, at least in the ends, He's playing a character, like a goofy Jewish guy with a funny voice that he's done a hundred times. Like, oh, because he yells and he isn't doing slapstick, that makes it good? I, I don't know about that. But I guess more importantly, why do we as a culture place like a higher value on dramatic acting versus comedic? Like, I think comedy can be so much more difficult since there's there's more to do with timing and, and not having it be forced. And also it's subjective. I feel like it's hard to differentiate one drama from another like you kind of know okay this is good drama comedy can mean so many different things to so many different people so for something to nail comedically i feel like that's so much more difficult to do on a larger scale like you love 30 rock i think it's trash i think it's way too forced and the jokes are mostly obvious so we have different and i mean 30 rock garnered awards so obviously there are a lot of people who like it i don't know in short this role was originally slated for jonah hill and i would have enjoyed that much more than adam sandler it was. I didn't notice that. That's interesting. I agree with you. I do feel like comedy always kind of gets this this bad rap of um, can't can't possibly be good good material and good entertainment if it's funny. Uh, that that doesn't like foster any kind of awards or anything like that, which is shitty because comedy is my favorite. Why would I want to spend my time watching something serious if I can watch something that makes me smile and laugh? But and wouldn't you agree that like. Because uh, you've seen more probably Adam Sandler movies than me. As I said in the last episode, I haven't really seen m much of his movies in the past 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. How, like, is he really that much better in this than he is in any of his other movies? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's that much better. I just think that for for whatever reason, um, his acting ability gets kind of. Sh overshadowed by his comedy. So I don't think people really realize how good of uh, how decent an actor he is. 
and I think he's a good actor until he's not doing comedy. And then even though it's a character that he's done many times that like crazy, crazy Jewish guy, it's no comedy over it to kind of hide the fact that he's a good actor. Yeah. But also the music at the beginning of this thing, it sounds like the soundtrack to a 90s Sunday morning bowling championship on TV. Like, what is that? Yeah, I felt like it was like super like 80s Tron feel to me, like late 80s. It just I loved it. It's my <laughs> Weird, favorite part. Yeah. Instead of dwelling on all this, let's just get into the recaps and we can kind of talk about it from there. Yeah, let's fucking do it. So this movie opens up on a after a few very 80s title screens. <laughs> to an Ethiopian mine in the fall of 2010. Everyone is kind of gathered around and screaming because one of the miners is injured. A bone is sticking out the side of his leg, which I don't know about you, but I I can handle, you know, gore and blood and guts if it's like an action movie and it do, it's not really real life to me, you know? Like mm-hmm. I go around cutting off people's arms. But when I see stuff like that or like the colonoscopy or the blood, sh- the blood coming out of his gunshot at the end, like, man, that stuff's rough for me. Yeah, because it's just more realistic. It's tied yeah. to something that could actually happen to you. I mean, not that you'll get shot, but hopefully not. Watch your back. So the broken leg scene, it reminded me of two things. So number one, there's a scene in my favorite movie, Freddy Got Fingered, where Tom Green licks Harlan Williams leg bone that's protruding in a similar fashion. So that I liked that. But number two. I broke my leg and ankle. Um, I was a freshman in high school and at play practice after school. And my friend Joe dared me to run and jump off the stage in exchange for his bag of Skittles. So I I turned myself awkwardly mid-jump and snap, fucked my shit up. So I still have three screws in my ankle. The moral is I will do anything for candy. But that is basically what my bone did. So it, mm, I guess it's, it's both extra traumatic and less traumatic for me because I've been there. <laughs> If I was there when you turned around for the Skittles, firstly, I would have stolen said Skittles. And secondly, I uh, probably would have passed out shortly after after seeing <laughs> an injury like that. I, I never got the Skittles either. That's the worst part. That is the worst part. Sacrifice yep. for nothing. Sad. Yep. That explains why you're such a mean old man. So we're at this mine and this guy has been injured. Two guys take this opportunity of the distraction of this guy being injured to go into the mine by themselves and mine this one little area. And they find a bright, giant green gem in a, in a rock. And then the camera zooms really far into the gem, like really far, like as if you were looking at the gem under a microscope. And it's kind of twisting and turning in there like we were going through the hallways of that ship on the abyss. And then we end up in Adam Sandler's colon. Yeah, it's it's wild. So a couple things. Number one, when they're in the mine, it seems like an awful lot of work and peril for just a shiny rock. Like humans are so dumb. Like, why do we care? Like you'd never see a cow do stupid shit like that. People are breaking their bones and rocks are falling on people's heads. Stupid. Well, that's like people who mine for gold and like can pan for gold in a river for hours to get like a few flecks of gold. It's crazy. Now, I don't know if you just skipped past it, but the title screen for this where it it shows where it says uncut gems. What the hell is that? It looks like it's a Dr. Mario fucking pill capsule. I loved it. (laughs) It The whole title screen was so 80s. And that's like that's my jam. 
the the capsule of uncapped gems like what what's yeah. the purpose of that i mean to tell you what the title is okay uh, i just i have memories of dr mario so for me it was traumatic memories of dr mario sounds like well it. no my grandmother played that game so much that it imprinted dr mario on her tv screen so like we'd try to watch something else like david the gnome or some shit and we'd have to like look through a hazy veneer of like 90s candy crush <laughs> Bullshit. Back in the day when TVs got fried into, like, if you left something on too long, yeah. would, I remember that that warning. Don't <laughs> leave that on the screen too long. Yep, it was real. It happened, but uh, yeah. So the colonoscopy. <laughs> I have received. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the correct verb, but I have had a colonoscopy. Oh no, you received it. All right. Okay, I received it. I had like some digestion issues seven, eight years ago, and it was kind of like the final test they had to do. Joking aside, though, the scope itself, like actually doing the colonoscopy really isn't that bad. Like I didn't feel anything and I was basically out the entire time, which I guess that's how most of the experiences involving my asshole go. But the prep was the worst part. Like I had to expel straight fire liquid from my anus for like three days prior, and I was limited to eating chicken broth and Italian ice. Mm -hmm. I have also had a colonoscopy. You have? Yeah. And colonoscopy I, twins yep oh yeah that's our our <laughs> new thing perfect but it was bad right i'm not making yeah, that shit up prep, that's exactly what you had to do the prep was rough i got more knocked out because i'm bad at health things so i do not remember really any of it yeah my wife said that i was a fucking fool afterwards like i was just talking nonsense for like two hours but i had to call my parents in the car on the way home to tell them how it went oh yeah. While she was driving, though, your wife was driving. No, I was driving. Oh, really? They didn't let me drive. My wife was driving. Oh, what's <laughs> wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> no, but the real worst part was while I sat in the waiting room beforehand, waiting for the colonoscopy, because I had to th- sit through an episode of Ellen doing coverage of the Olympics. If there's anything I hate more than starving myself and putting an optic device in my rectum, it's Ellen. So the excitement of having something put up your butt wasn't enough to keep you entertained until the actual procedure? I was so hungry. I hadn't eaten real food in three days. I couldn't move. So the TV was in front of me and I just had to watch it. (laughs) Stuck watching Ellen. Perfect punishment for you. Yeah. Do you think Adam Sandler let them use his real colon for this? That's a great question. I I almost feel like Adam Sandler is the type of dude that's just like, yeah, fucking do it. (laughs) That's why I got the award talk. It's just method acting. He really went through a colonoscopy. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That's the actually the inside of his cola that he actually has a polyp in there. Yeah. Checked out after they're like, oh shit. <laughs> if he didn't though, like, did the, did the guy who volunteered his pipes get a film credit? <laughs> right. Uh, so he gets a film. He's like listed uh, man's man's empty pitch. But uh, also they called him after. He's like, hey, so we were taking a look at this. Just so you know, he might want to get this checked out. Yeah. So that leads us to is some some piece of information that we got is that the reason Adam Sandler is having this done is it looks like there's something that could potentially be going on in there. He has a, a little polyp in there that they biopsied, and he's awaiting the results as of the beginning when when the first 15 minutes ended. So we never really find out what came of that. After his colonoscopy, he's walking to his office, getting yelled at over the phone by someone uh, trying to rush him rush him in. So he makes his way down there, walks in, into a building in New York City, gets handed an envelope of what looks like cash and gets confirmed later on. 
He then heads into his showroom, has to go through a two-door security system to get in there. And when he gets in there, there are two main groups of people. There's a a group of uh, black dudes kind of looking at a bunch of stuff. And then there's uh, two mafia-looking motherfucking asshole white dudes that just look like big jerks. They do. And one of them has this weird thing on his neck that I just couldn't stop looking at. <laughs> no, seriously. First, I thought it was just like a film a film error, but I was like, yeah. no, that's really on his neck. There the whole time, and I just couldn't stop looking at it. So, turns out the black guys are just here to buy some jewelry. Uh, seems like one of them is getting married. Howard walks over to those two rough-looking gentlemen and... Offers them some water, gets them some water, gets slapped for bringing them the water. This this guy who he meets, who we find out his name is Phil, is just trying to look tough because we find out later he is a collector of some kind of debt. So Howard tries to call someone named Arno, but it goes to voicemail. And it seems from context clues that these gentlemen were sent here by Arno or or are associates of Arno's who are here to collect on a debt that he owes Arno. But I have an important question. Yeah. Is Arno his first name or his last name? No idea. I would assume okay. it's short for Arnold, but that's what I knows? thought. I thought he was saying Arnold. So, but if you've confirmed it's definitely Arno. Yeah, I um. So I listened pretty closely in a few spots and then I looked at the IMDb page and he's credited gotcha. as Arno. Okay. Yeah. So they shake Howard down, take the cash that was given to him in that envelope as he was walking in, as well as a watch that he was wearing. Next scene we see is him walking down the street. He is calling Arno and this time leaving a voicemail, yelling at him for sending collectors to his office and explaining that the watch they took is a $20,000 watch and should be deducted from his $100,000 that he owes. Dude's a degenerate. Yeah. Seems like he's definitely in some shady shit. He arrives back at what looks like his apartment, and we meet his, what looks to be his girlfriend, who also, we find out, works at the shop. People were coming in and out of his that apartment. He yells at her for a few minutes about not coming into work and throwing parties, things like that. And then she just calms him down with some cuddling. Skin to skin ends fights. A few years back, I bought a triple XL shirt on Amazon. And whenever me and my wife got in like a heated argument, Spoiler alert, I'm Italian and she's Sicilian, so it's always, but I would throw the big shirt on and then I would force her to hug me in the shirt like she'd also get in the shirt with me. So we'd be like stuck together in a fat man's garment. It worked like so well, but we lost it last time we moved. So now we just scream at each other. I would have fucking just punched you if you made me do that. (laughs) Well, it was kind of her idea. She was on board with it. We just because we knew it worked. Gotcha. Put on the Ralphie May shirt. (laughs) He's dead, you jerk. I know that was mean. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, what other fat guy could I use? Fat Albert. Boy, you know, can't ever win around here. Next, we see Howard at a what looks to be another jewelry store or pawn shop, something along those lines. And he's selling a piece of jewelry that is a crucifix with Michael Jackson as Jesus. And he is explaining that it was the weekends. And it sounds like the weekend might have been at that party that his girlfriend threw or something along those lines. And my guess is that she stole this. Mm, okay. I we have a question related to that later, so we'll save the we'll save the MJ crucifix talks for then. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So he takes the $24,000 that he got for that necklace and meets up to what looks like to be a bookie 
who he puts a bunch of bets on the NBA that I don't understand because I don't know anything about betting. He does. I didn't pay close attention to those bets, but I, I'll explain the betting when we do my part of the recap because a large part of the last section is this bet that he made. So I'll we'll talk about it. Perfect. I have some extra cash that I was setting aside for when me and Emily have children, but we've decided to put that off for just a little bit. So I have some extra cash that I could uh, try and, you know, pay some dividends, you know? I take a 10% cut. Nope. Five. <laughs> Seven and a half and we got a deal. Six. Fine. Perfect. Oh, I'm such a better haggler than you, Jesus. That was sad. You have some things to teach me about betting. I have some things to teach you about business. He gets a call to come back to the shop as he's placing these bets because Kevin Garnett is in his showroom. So he's very excited. He shines those terrible, terrible teeth and makes his way back to the showroom. As he's walking into the showroom, a few very, very large black men are beating up on those douche, douchey, weird neck guys from earlier, pushing them around. Uh, They get really mad at Adam Sandler thinking that, you know, he sent these guys when, in fact, they were with Kevin Garnett to protect him. He walks into the showroom, schmoozes Kevin Garnett for a while, shows him a bejeweled Furby, and that's where our 15 minutes cut off. Yeah, that that really happened. Uh-huh. So my section started at one hour, 55 minutes and 34 seconds. Now, Howard's, I think we, we agree it's his girlfriend. She is walking up to the sports book in Mohegan Sun, which is a casino in nearby Connecticut. I've been in nearby. multiple times. Yeah, actually, I don't know if I've ever been to Mohegan. I've been to, I always Mohegan? go to Foxwoods. Mohegan, yes. Mohegan. That's what us, that's what us Massachusetts folk call it. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I made it up. So <laughs> it appears that she's making a bet for Howard, which we find out is later the case. So the bet is a parlay. Now, I did do a little bit of research because the bet sounded a little weird to me. And technically, this bet really couldn't have actually been made. So the reason is you can't parlay a prop bet like, for instance, in the prop in this case is who gets the opening tip with bets like who will win or who will cover points because that's a standard bet. It has something to do with the limits and odds that the bookie sets. But ultimately, this is kind of a fabricated bet. Now, that being said, you certainly can make parlays. So in my own limited betting that I do, um, I do dabble in some parlays during football season. It's basically like a penny stock. So you're putting down a little bit of money. Your odds are usually very slim, but it usually a large payout. So the bet in this case is that the Celtics have to win the opening tip, which is, it's basically a freaking coin toss. Like it's definitely a degenerate gambler move because there's no skill there. You're just guessing who is going to get the opening tip. Who's also, get the ball first. actually watching the opening tip, the other dude was way huger than the guy in the Celtics. Yeah. Like that shouldn't have happened, but Yeah, so that's the first part of the parlay. Now, the second part is that the Celtics have to win the game. And then the third part is that Kevin Garnett's combination of points and rebounds has to be 26 or greater. So all three of those things have to happen. If only two of them happen, he loses. So a parlay is basically each one is contingent on the others. If one of them doesn't happen, then too bad. Correct. That's exactly right. So that's where, you know, you're you're betting a smaller amount. But because you're betting on multiple things and they all have to happen, you get greater odds than you would if you just bet each one individually. Mm-hmm. So that's why people do it. But obviously, you know, it's kind of a silly bet to make. Now, in this case, though, he's betting 155000 to win 1229000 So it's a little less than 8 to 1, which is actually pretty low for a parlay. 
But kind of thinking through it, it kind of makes sense because A, the Celtics were favored to win anyway. So that probably wouldn't have paid. It wouldn't. That bet alone is not going to pay that much. Number two, a, you know, a coin toss bet, that's 50-50. Again, that's not going to pay much on its own. And then the third part of the parlay, the over-under on KG's points and boards, that's also on the lower side too. So I, I, I actually looked it up. Just I was kind of interested in that series because this was Game Seven of the the conference semifinals. He had already he was averaging just under thirty one as a combination of points and, and rebounds. So for him to be just saying twenty six or greater, it's like that's kind of an easy bet. So a combination of three easy bets. Still, he's going to get paid eight to one on a very large bet of one hundred fifty five thousand dollars. So that is the bet. Does that make sense? Does I got it now. I feel Perfect. like I can go blow all my money. That's what I was hoping for. Perfect. So now we have the bet out of the way. The goons from the beginning are locked in the little security box in Sandler's showroom. And they're there pretty much the rest of the movie. Now the game starts and the Celtics corral the tip. So part one of his parlay in the books is done. Howard's girlfriend is talking to some dude about her bet. When this wolf-haired motherfucker comes up, he looks like Gary Busey's older brother. <laughs> Now, he invites Howard's lady up to his penthouse at halftime. He's such a creep. And I thought there's no way that she's going to have anything to do with him. But (laughs) we find out later she does. Yeah. Now, while that's happening, there is a new dodgy looking Eastern European dude who's creeping around and Howard's girl sees him and runs away. I honestly think that this is the reason that she went up to see the other guy was to hide from these dudes. Yeah, I I think so, too. But it's still surprising. I would much rather go with the little Eastern European dude than that guy in his hair. Yeah, that would make more sense. The guy asked if he could help in any way. Like, yeah, let's go to your room and get the fuck out of here. No, instead, she goes and hangs out with that creepy dude. Maybe they're thinking, like, where's the last place they would ever think I would be with this asshole? Fair point. So Doc Rivers, who is the Celtics coach at the time, he is giving his halftime speech on TV. And Kevin Garnett checks out his big old rock, the same one that the miners found at the start of the movie. Mm -hmm. Question. Did Howard give this to him as some sort of gift slash incentive to help him win the bet? So... The way he keeps saying, like, he has the gem, he has the gem, it makes me feel like Adam Sandler thinks that this gem is in some way or another magical. I feel like this was Howard's big thing, is that he gave Kevin Garnett the gem so that he knew that Kevin Garnett would perform in Game 7 and then, in turn, place a bet against it, knowing that Kevin Garnett had his magical gem. Yeah, it's fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, fucking weird. I just feel like of the three parts of the parlay bet, Kevin Garnett scoring 26 points in, in rebounds, that's the most likely of the three. Like I said, he was averaging just under 31 for the series, and there was only one game out of the series that he had less than 26. The Celtics winning is almost 50-50, and the tip-off is 50-50. So it's like, I, I don't know. I it's It's weird. Yeah, that was a very odd way of going about it. I mean, we know one magical property is that the gem transports you to Adam Sandler's colon. <laughs> that's true. We that's know a that pretty that's good one quality. thing it does. Yeah, which Fair point. yeah, I mean, that alone is worth its weight in gems. There yeah. are some people in this world that would pay for that. Oh hell yeah! So the third quarter of the game is nearly over. Uh, the Celtics are up by a point, and Garnett is only three away from helping Howard make his nut. KG hits a buzzer beater to end the third, and Howard is flying high. We do see his girlfriend. uh, She does hit up the goofy-ass dude's room, and he immediately needs to go shower because of the excitement in his britches. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he needs to get ready. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's even more creepy than he was before. Like, so this girl goes, attractive woman goes up to your room and you immediately say, I got to go shower. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sit down. I got to go take care of some stuff. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Open the door because my friends are coming in. Like, what is this? A fucking gangbang? <laughs> So no. weird. Anyway, Garnett sinks a shot, and now the Celtics just need to hang on to the W for the parlay to pay off. The time on the clock runs down as the bowling music plays. <laughs> Howard, knowing he won, celebrates with his gal on the phone, and he pops the door to let the goons into the showroom. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. Head goon Phil instantly pulls out his gun and shoots Adam Sandler in the face. Rest in peace, Adam Sandler. This made me very sad. I was and wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it at all. It really caught me off guard. So why would those guys just, A, just sit there the whole time and let this happen? I don't know. If 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 the guy, if Adam Sandler already owes you that much money, why are you going to sit there idly and just let him bet even more money? That if he loses, then he's like, that's even more money you're not going to get back. Well, so, yeah, I would assume that that was kind of the the big thing is that if they knew that he had just given $115,000 to his girlfriend to go place a bet on the Celtics, that would pay back his debt. So I'm sure that they were annoyed at the fact and and probably trying to collect that from him to take care of his his debt. They sat there patiently enough that it would also be an assumption I would be willing to make that he had offered even more than his original debt because he was confident that he was going to win. But it's definitely an interesting turn of events. Very interesting. Now, as soon as that happens, there's also some infighting among the goons and they start to ransack the joint. But one dissenter tries to leave and Phil blows his head off. That's Arno. Okay, that was going to be my question to you. How do you know that, Mm -hmm. though? He says, hey, Arno, look at that. And then he turns Ah. and they show him next. So I'm assuming that that is Arno. Would make sense because the shorter, fatter guy was at the beginning and he's not Arno. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Thank you for confirming. You're welcome. Now, we cut to Garnett's post-game interview. It's no, anything is possible, but it still packs some gems like when you win, it's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakeith, from the beginning, he takes a shot. Now, I think this next person is Howard's son. He's celebrating too. Yep. And their woman, uh, I'm assuming it's maybe his ex-wife. She's talking about somebody being naked in a trunk. No idea what that's about. Mm-hmm. Gary Busey's strange uncle carries the winnings out to the limo holding Ms. Howard. Yeah, so this um, this actually made me made me like this guy a little bit, is that she knew that if she went and collected this money that those weird, sketchy dudes would, you know, shake her down or, or whatever they were going to do. Instead, the, she convinced the, the Gary Busey lookalike to go and collect her money for her from the uh, the bookie and they, you know, annoying guys who were looking for her had no idea what was going on because it's just this rich dude who picked up the money. It made me kind of like this guy because he did her a favor. Yeah, he did. And it, he didn't really seem to take anything for it. And she didn't really give him anything. So that's a nice guy, of. I guess. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't see everything up in the penthouse. She already gave him something. She did. Ammunition for his masturbation later. Yep. Back at the showroom, Sandler bleeds out on the floor and the camera slowly zooms into the bullet hole, which is under his left eye. So from one of Sandler's holes to another of Sandler's holes, and we tunnel through his blood and tissue and it starts to resemble the same colorful innards of the uncut gem from the beginning. Is this supposed to be some grand metaphor that I'm missing? I have no idea. 
the magic portal magic in the gem can portal you to any orifice of Adam Sandler, not just the butthole. <laughs> I just don't understand what the purpose of it is for. Like, it's it looks very, cool. It's a very special magic that could bring you to all of the orifices. Yeah, I just... Hmm. It looks cool. I just don't understand how it stylistically connects to this, like, gritty movie. You have this, like, colorful fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory scene. I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. As much as I loved the the 80s feel to both the title screen and the end screen like this, it didn't really feel like it fit with the theme of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Now, it eventually turns into the night sky slash blackness of space, and then the credits start to roll. And that was Uncut Gems. And then the serenity flies away. Yes, it does. It was interesting. Part of me kind of wants to watch the middle, but it's one of those things like, okay, I know Adam Sandler dies, so is it really worth it? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how much the middle is really going to inform anything else that we don't already know. Yeah, Other he's than a loser. Maybe what the, the magic of the, the gem is. Okay, yeah. And, and then... Right, and maybe exactly what the, the deal is with Garnett and the gem. Like, wh- mm. why he has it. It is what it is. And so that's our review show. Goodbye, everybody. Later. No, we have some questions to get into. Yeah, we got a few questions from from a few greats. The uh, first set of questions that we got was from Courtney on Facebook. We appreciate that, Courtney. Thank you. She left a very nice comment. Yeah, that's so nice. I'm melting. You're the best, Courtney. So her first question, right before that beautiful, beautiful comment that she left. What happened to the weekend's Michael Jackson crucifix necklace? Imagine speaking another language and not watching the movie and then hearing that sentence. <laughs> so wild. Mm-hmm. First question is, why was Michael Jackson on a cross? Great question. No idea. Second question, is Michael Jackson's dad God? Yes. No. Opposite, actually. <laughs> Michael Jackson's dad was a huge douche. Well, the Jacksons would make for a good Last Supper picture. So I'm into it. Agreed. Now, I also think, so let's, let's get deep here. Is Michael Jackson symbolizing Jesus on the crucifix, a metaphor for the fact that Michael Jackson was more or less crucified by the media for the things that they thought or saw that he was doing. That is deep, and I like it. I am here for it. Mm-hmm. I can't even add to that. I think that's that that has to be it. Either that or, or was that, The Weeknd really loves Michael Jackson. Or was it just Lindsey Brigman? What? From The Abyss. What the wife from the abyss that looks like Michael Jackson? Remember the uh, other episode? Ah, uh, callbacks. Mm, I like callbacks. it. Callbacks at the beginning of the movie. I thought Howard was selling the crucifix. Is that the case? Like he was selling yeah, it? I'm pretty confident that he sold it because the amount of money that he got back for it was the same amount of money that he offered to bet at the bookie that he went to see immediately after. Okay. I'm assuming they just gave him a big envelope of cash for it, and then he bet on a bunch of games. Okay. And so a bad it, job. it didn't happen in the middle of the movie. We saw it happen. So we saw the sale of it happen, but... Uh, we don't know where it went to I, after that. Yeah, I would take I would take Courtney's question as maybe something else happened to it that we weren't privy to. Do you think it gets back to the weekend somehow? Oh, yeah, it could. Or maybe it gets back to Michael Jackson. Twist! <laughs> no, because the weekend is in the movie. They show his name in the credits, and I don't think they would credit him like a, as a major just part in the movie, picture. just for a picture. So, yeah, he obviously must show back up, and maybe he like goes to the jewelry store and demands the fucking necklace back. So the <sighs> clip of Adina Mansell at the very end, who we assume is Howard's wife, is explaining to her friend that he was naked in the trunk of a car. I think I'm going to call the police. So. 
is it possible that the weekend came back for his necklace and was upset that it was gone? Because as we know, the weekend is a huge fan of Michael Jackson because most of his songs sound exactly like Michael Jackson that he abducted Howard and had him naked in the back of a truck. Oh, maybe, maybe. So I, you, you take it to mean that Howard was the one naked in the trunk. Yep. That's my guess. Okay. It it could have also been the weekend. That's true. But uh, yeah, where to get naked on the weekends. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. What eventually happened to the weekend's Michael Jackson crucifix necklace? Got him. What happened? what happened? What happened to that thing that was like the Jesus thing? So I think that Howard had to hunt it down to get it back in order to give back to the weekend. I don't know where he would have gotten the money. Hopefully, maybe some of those bets he placed in the beginning paid off. I also don't know where he got that $155,000. So who knows? Yeah, it's probably up Macaulay Culkin's ass or something. Mm-hmm. Got him. All right. I think that answers <laughs> that question. Nice. So our second question from Courtney, does the black opal contain magical properties? This has to be a trick question. <laughs> Number one, aside from the beginning and end, it really doesn't seem like the type of movie to include a supernatural element. But those weird kaleidoscope beginning and endings... I don't know. So actually, speaking of uh, kaleidoscopes, I visited the world's largest kaleidoscope on a road trip to the Catskills once. It's not as lame as it sounds. I don't know. I have a weird relationship with magic. Like, I know it shouldn't be real. No, really, I'm smart enough to know that it's not real. But sometimes I see something and I I literally can't explain it. Like the first time I saw that old David Blaine special when I was a kid, I shit my pants. Like, really, mm-hmm. I was young. I actually shit. Yeah. Your ass so, got mind freaked. My, I thought Chris Angel was mind freaked. Get out of here. Yeah, you're right. I was backwards. No, it's all good. They're the same person. But yeah. um, I no, I don't think there's any magical properties. Also, why isn't a black opal? I thought it was like blue. I think that's just the way black opal looks. Okay. So here's my thought. I think there are two ways this could go. Either it is magical. Because we know that it has a magic portal to the orifices of Adam Sandler. We know this. But the way that Adam Sandler is talking about it and believes in it enough to bet a lot of money on it and his life, it seems like that would be a lot for him to not think it was magical. Whether or not it's actually magical is another story altogether. But I believe that Adam Sandler believes it's magical. I agree. Or it is the equivalent of like Michael's secret stuff. Not your baby gravy, but Michael Jordan's secret stuff in Space Jam in that it is just water. But if you say something magical, then someone might believe in it enough to perform otherworldly. Okay, so it's not actually magical, but telling Kevin Garnett that it's magical is enough to make Kevin Garnett be better. Yeah. So it's indirectly magical. Yeah, so it almost makes it 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 really informs what you think of of Adam Sandler because either Howard is being genuine in the fact that he thinks this is going to help Kevin Garnett win this game or he is duping Kevin Garnett by telling him that this is magical still to help him win the game but for his own gain rather than just for the, because he has a magical thing, you know? But I mean Kevin Garnett he's a professional NBA player. He's made millions of dollars. He's traveled the country, maybe even the world. He's not smart enough to know that a rock isn't magical. Man, the way he was holding that thing at that (laughs) halftime, he thought it was magical, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, a lot of sports stars are very, very, what's the word? Flat earthers. Yes. No, they are superstitious. Ah. There it is. Like a lot of them, like, you know, the whole wear the same shoes, wear the same. I haven't washed my underwear in two weeks because we're on a winning streak type of garbage. Sure. All right. I think we nailed it. Yep. Thanks, Courtney. Mm-hmm. So we got a newcomer for questions, uh, but it's not a newcomer to the show. It is actually my brother, Brian, who does the intro and outro music. So yeah. you hear him every time you hear us. Thank you, Brian. And he watched Uncut Gems and has two questions for us. Hit me. Number one, if you got the opal, what would you use it for? So I think we have to nail something down first. Let's assume that the opal is magical. I think based on this question that it is, uh, stupidly enough, I don't know why you would ask this unless it's magical. So fine, I'm on board. Yeah, so let's assume that this is magical. The question then becomes, how is it magical? Other than the colon teleportation, how Uh, is this magical? So is it like a genie? Like I get three wishes? See, that's not like, or is it, is it something that just heightens your current abilities? Does it give you new amazing abilities? Or does it just make you more lucky? Like there are all kinds of different things. The way that I took it was a genie. Now, is there supposed to be some sort of moral to the genie trope? Like no matter what you wish for, it won't make you happier or some shit. Like for me, you give me unlimited cheeseburgers and make my body not fat. Count me in. Like I could be happy even if there was a drawback. Like I had to get punched in the dick by a strong man every night before bed. Still worth it. I would do that. So you always see in these movies, like, I mean, you have the genie, you get get the wishes, but somehow it always turns out bad. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind as well. Ultimately, though, the easy answer, you ask for unlimited wishes. Yeah, that's got to be against the rules, right? Like that can't not be something (laughs) against the the main rules that he he lays out or, or the genie lays out at the beginning. I also not to burst your bubble about genies, but I think most genies were created in a in order to teach young children that you can't just wish and have your dreams come true, but you're actually going to have to work for them. And I think that's the whole moral of the genie story and the reason why it never works out. If there was a real genie, I don't know if there would be drawbacks. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, but it just feels like anytime, even in like Aladdin, like it doesn't Aladdin die. I don't remember, <laughs> remember the story of Aladdin, so that's probably I'm- inaccurate. It's been a while since I've seen Aladdin. I'm like 98% sure he doesn't die. <laughs> well, things don't go the way that he wants them to go. How about Accurate. that? Accurate. Yeah. But it is a whole new world. That's that's very true. So I keep a dream journal of sorts uh, because I when I do remember my dreams, they're fucked up. Um, I, yeah, I had one dream that I, I wrote down. And this is true. This is a true story. I really had this dream. I found a reverse genie. So like... He, I found him in a, a lamp and he, instead of giving me wishes, he forced three things upon me that were like shitty ass things. I only remember one of the things, but the one thing that he forced me to do is that for the rest of my life, I had to have sex only on damp bath mats forever. I don't know why I dreamed that. I know that it would be miserable, just constantly smelling mildew, but that, that happened to me in a dream and that my brain's weird. Man. Yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty legit. How many dreams do you have in this dream journal of yours? Like 32. Okay, so it sounded like you were going to give me a really general number, and then you gave me a specific one, which makes me feel like you know it's 32. No, I'm just, I'm giving an educated guess. It's it's somewhere in the range of 31 to 34. <laughs> I have a new podcast idea, and we'll talk about it off, off recording. Sounds good. <laughs> 
yeah, that is really fucked up. Yeah, and I'm agreed. glad that you suggested that the gem is a genie just so you could tell that terrible story. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. But here's what I think. I think that what the Opal does, because obviously it didn't just make Kevin Garnett an amazing NBA star. Like you said, he was already averaging well in the rest of the games in this in the series. And he didn't like blow his numbers out of the water. You know, if he had, you know, 50 points, that would be one thing, but he didn't. So I feel like all it does is kind of heighten your current abilities. I don't think I could get this gem from Howard and then just show up at, you know, the Yankees spring training and be like, guys, guess what? I'm a professional baseball player now because I got this gem. Like, I'd still be bad. I'd be better than I used to be, but I wouldn't be MLB level. Yep. So if it does heighten abilities that you kind of sort of already have, my one wish from this genie that you've concocted would just be to uh, defeat Pongo Pussy in a rap battle. It's Pussy, but uh, yeah, you do need a genie for that to happen. Yeah, I know. And it's we'll definitely see. Pongo Pussy. Okay. It's right here in my notes. <laughs> it's got to be true. Yeah, must be. All right. Well, that answers that. Second question. Does Kevin Garnett come back for the Furby chain? Obviously. I Yeah, I thought about this. I think so as well. So sometimes when you're a big bad dude like Kevin Garnett, you have to do lame things in secret. Like you have to order your My Little Ponies on Amazon so they come in a discreet box. I'm secure with myself as a person, so I don't really have to do that. I'm not really embarrassed usually. You just order um, My Little Ponies right off Amazon. Oh, I buy them in the store. But the only time that I really did something like that, uh, I was younger. I, I made my mom go in and buy me an All-American reject CD so I wouldn't be seen buying something so lame because I have the musical tastes of a 14-year-old girl. But uh, <laughs> it's called Pop Sensibility. Hey, I like All-American Learn about Rejects, it. man. Learn about it. I'm down. <laughs> so I think he definitely went back for this Furby chain. Here's a twist. What if him buying the Furby chain was the money that Howard was able to use to place those bets? Ah, okay. Or maybe he gives him the gem in exchange. No, that doesn't make any sense. He he wouldn't give him the gem and the Furby chain. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe he says, hey, I'll give you this gem. You need to make me win this bet and you get to have this Furby chain as a gift. Where'd he get the $115,000? He stole it from Kevin Garnett. From the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) The poor weekends really get beat up in this episode. Definitely could go a few different ways, but I feel like Kevin Garnett was definitely enamored by that Furby, and I, I think he definitely would have came back and get it. Well, it's funny because at the beginning he was, he gave it, gave it like the eyes, like oh, this is lame. But mm, you never know. You never know what someone's truly feeling in their heart. No, I think he liked it. So that's so, it. He went back and got it. He went back and got it. Hell yeah! And that answers that. Thanks, Brian. That answers that. Thank you, Brian, for questions. It's awesome. Also, thank you for all of our music. Yes. I have a question for you that I will also answer a little. If you could turn anything into a piece of jewelry, like Howard turned this Furby into a necklace, what would it be? That's a good question. I was just trying to make a jewel pun in my brain, like like Jewel, the singer from the 90s, but I got nothing. Like a head of lettuce, maybe? That'd be pretty cool. When I was younger, when I was uh, like 18, I joked that that was going to be my first tattoo. I was just going to get a head of lettuce just because like people would see it and be like, oh, there must be like maybe he was a farmer or maybe his farmer dad died or something. Mm-hmm. But it would really just just to be ridiculous. And um, just decided yeah. to go with a donut or? Yeah. Yeah. Donuts are cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, me, my wife has a matching the matching donut. But no. Yeah. Some, I think it, I would, I'd want it to be something ridiculous like a Furby. 
that's the only real answer. Like a Michael Jackson crucifix, like a head of lettuce, like a Furby, like a gremlin's dick. Yep. Nice. A gremlin's dick. What if it was just like the the middle finger that the leprechaun gives at the end of the... That'd be cool. So it's that large. It's the size of, size of a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah, actually yeah. wear it. It's just in a museum somewhere. Yeah, you basically look like Flavor Flav. I would either want 15 earrings, not 15 pairs of earrings, but earrings that have first 15 and last 15, because I feel like uh, that would be sweet. And then my brain would be in the center, homie. That's epic. I thought you meant like actual earrings, like you wanted to look like Sinbad. Please, for the love of God, no. <laughs> or I would just get, you know, Howard's teeth. Ooh. Now, when you say Howard's teeth, you're really just making fun of Adam Sandler's teeth. No, those weren't really Adam Sandler's teeth. No? I don't think so. All right. I expect you to show me some comparison pictures when we end I this. I will get you proof that that is not Adam Sandler's teeth. <laughs> I'm confident. Because those All teeth right. were, were out of bounds. Those teeth. Those teeth. Those teeth were crazy. Fair enough. Well, I think we've discussed Uncut Gems more than it deserved. It's because we talked so much about the colon portal, which, I mean, who wouldn't? What are we doing next, David? So next, we are going to do Warrior Nun, a new Netflix show. That is Nun, N-U-N. Mm-hmm. Like the religious ladies. Yes, it comes out on Thursday, July 2nd. So it'll already be out by the time that you hear this episode. You should watch it. And then you can listen to our next episode and know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, be like Courtney and watch stuff you don't even want to watch just because you want to hear us talk about it. So nice. So look out for that. Again, if you're not following us on Instagram, you're not following us on Twitter, Facebook, you're dumb. Please do it. But more importantly, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We will love you forever. We will die for your sins. Please do it. Yeah, like Michael Jackson on the crucifix. It's always better. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. We really want you to subscribe and listen to us and love us. Also, leave us a a rating and a review while you're in there. You're you're like a few swipes away from that rate and review button when you're subscribing. So hit that up while you're there. Oh, or I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave. You could also go to ratethispodcast.com slash center cut, and you can leave us a review on all the places that you want. You can leave it on Apple, Stitcher, wherever the hell rate this podcast.com slash center cut you can make sure everyone on every platform knows how much you love us thank you thank you like the lack of gaps between all of howard's teeth it's always better in the center 